All right, Buzz Buzz babies, we are back for another episode of Blake's Buzz, and we've got a hot creative team on tonight. These guys are running the scout game right now. Big news today that we're going to talk about. We've got the creators of By the Horns, one of my favorite books coming out monthly. I know a lot of people are digging it. Marcus on and Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. How you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Thanks, Blake. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. No, it's, I've been wanting to talk to you guys since I read Voracious recently, like that blew me away. And I mean, I just, I ate that shit up on a Saturday, man. Just like, <laughs> well, it was like 12 or 15 issues or what? like, I yeah. just, it was done. Like I started it and I, I was like, nope, this is my day and I'm not doing anything but finishing this. And I laughed and I cried and like, I just, it was just this overwhelming flux of emotions. Um, and I love that, like, uh, you guys are, are bringing that same energy that that same charm, the wild art, the beautiful colors, the wonderful characters, you're bringing that all into by the horns. And like, how's it feel? I, I was, uh, Jason, right before you popped in, like, I was saying how like you guys are having a big day today, like a big, big news went public. Uh, everybody's on the Twitters talking about how awesome you guys are. Like that's got to feel pretty rad, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Our big news is that uh, by the horns is now ongoing. So uh, we're, um, we're currently in the first arc. I think uh, issue four is about to drop soon. And then um, we're going to go up to issue eight. That's the end of the first arc. And then we're taking a short break and then we're coming back for more. Oh, you're taking a break? That's unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we have to. We didn't know it was going to be an ongoing, you know, when we first started it. We, we started as a mini series that was six issues. Then it became seven issues. And then Scout wanted to do the ongoing series. So we added another issue to get it to eight. Uh, but, you know, we need time to, to work on some more stuff. You know, you're going to get monthly through eight. And then there'll be a little bit of a break. The trade comes out. I believe it's February that the trade paperback comes out and it collects the first eight issues. And then we'll be back in the spring, probably around April uh, with issue nine. Cause it, it felt like every month, like they were adding another issue. And I was like, well, that, I mean, that's a good sign if they're like, well, we we're for six. Yeah, we're going for seven. Oh, we'll go for eight. Yeah. That's all Marcus on. <laughs> I think originally I, I wanted to do five. Marcus on talked me into six. Cause you know, as the artist, it's so labor intensive that you need breaks. So not that I don't want to keep doing the book, but I just got to schedule in regular breaks or I'll just get burnt out on it. You know? Yeah. Plus our, our books are a little bit bigger than a normal issue. Usually our issues are about 24 pages and I'm doing all the lettering and the design work and stuff too. So I can't do it on a monthly basis. I need, I need probably a month and a half to do an issue. How long does it take you to do like one page of a, of a battle scene, you know, with like, you know, six or seven panels, like how long does that take you to draw? Um, I'm pretty good with uh, a page day, Okay. you know, but that day fluctuates <laughs> some days, some days that day might be eight hours. Some days that day might be 14 hours. It depends if there's like a battle scene with a crowd or or something in it yeah or how many panels i'll try to schedule it so like if i know i have a hard page coming up i'll try to do an easy page right around then so i can kind of over the course of those two days put out two pages but you know it doesn't break down to one page in one day that way but um yeah i'm pretty good with a page a day your your art man is so freaking incredible like it blows me away all the time and it was so cool reading voracious because so like voracious was never ugly right like it, it was very beautiful and and like you draw really great dinosaurs but 
I mean, looking at issue one of Voracious and looking at issue five of By the Horns, man, like you're a totally different person, it seems like. It's just, it's wild, like sure. watching you evolve. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's bad form to like crap on your own art because, you know, somebody picks up the book and they might love it and you don't want to say you don't like it because now you're <laughs> sort of negating their opinion. But yeah, definitely there's a there's a big difference. I mean, Voracious was the first book I ever did. Like, uh, like the first comic I ever drew, the first like 22 pages in a row that I ever draw, drew was Voracious. So it's definitely a learning curve. That was both of your guys' first comic, yeah. right? It was, yeah. Well, I'm I'm really happy that now you have something you can put on your tombstone, Jason. Never an ugly artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's just one of those things where like you just put in the hours and you can't not get better, you know what I mean? <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, if you look at that first issue of Voracious and then you look at the latest issue of By the Horns, it, it it's like he's a completely different artist. And not just Jason, but I think Andre, too. You know, they just have elevated both of their artistic uh, powers. And I think working together, they've just become such an amazing team. Not that they weren't good to start with. They didn't have really good panels and just layouts and stuff. But now it's just it's crazy that, that they're on this other level. Yeah, I think. I think like all three of us, we just learned by doing, you know, like it, whenever somebody says like, oh, I've had an idea for a comic. I don't know where to start. Um, you just start by doing it. That's like the only way you're going to learn. And it is rough sometimes when you learn in the public eye. You know, our first book was a, a published book and it's out there and we're super proud of it. But, you know, we were learning on the job. So and it's really awesome that people are reading by the horns and going back and checking out Voracious because of that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you definitely see our evolution right there on the page. You know, if you if you pick up, you know, issue one of Voracious to issue 15 is like, you know, me going to comic book art school in a way. <laughs> you can see me advancing like every yeah. semester. If you were to pick up the original ash can that we did because we did an ash can called cretaceous that was before voracious became that title and that book and it's it's a black and white full comic but it's just super wordy jason hates all the art and we had to go back and retool that thing and it, it's weird because you you read comics all your life you think you know how to do it and then when you actually do it you don't really know all the ins and outs just by reading it you don't no, you have to do it and work out all the kinks. You guys have worked out the kinks. I love dinosaurs. So like, I'm the kind of nerd who's like big dinosaurs, big robots, um, you know, like mecha stuff. Like that's just always been like my jam since I was a little kid, like Power Rangers, Jurassic Park. And I love to cook, right? So Voracious like spoke to me on many levels. For, uh, Voracious is so emotional and your art still like could so clearly pick out the emotion in the characters, which, which made it hit hard, you know, really intense moments, like just execute wonderfully on the page you shade and ink and and just details and, and like line and hatchwork in the faces now it's just like a lot of stuff that you weren't doing in, in issue one of voracious and that you've like found this new groove now you add a lot more detail to your characters and your backgrounds and stuff and i've never really got to like read a comic like that where you where you watch this person like his style like you you find your groove and that was just really cool like i wish i don't know as a, as a reader and a fan it was a really cool experience for me that I wasn't familiar with because you know it's usually like oh like this guy draws like this and you're used to that it's so cool that you talk about the backgrounds too because I think Jason draws some of the best backgrounds in comics like he does not skimp on any part of any of the issue the panels anything 
Yeah, no one will ever call you a lazy artist. But he added that. And that I mean, Jason will speak to this, but I, you know, he got a lot of critiques. He would take his portfolios and stuff to to cons, and they would tell him about stuff that he had to improve. Oh, right, really? Jay? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm loving this Jason Love Fest. You guys keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think even like speaking to other artists too, like when somebody asked me for advice, not that I'm an expert or anything, but sometimes people will ask me stuff. I think there's like levels of drawing. You know, your first level is the you know figure. Work. Does your person look like a person? Does your dinosaur look like a dinosaur? You know, that's just the basics. And then, you know, level two is like storytelling. Does the stuff flow from panel to panel? And then as you raise and go up in these levels, I think you start to um, perfect these intangible things about comics. Like it's almost hard to explain to like a beginner because they're just trying to make this hand look right, make this head look right. And then you get into like panel flow and like your eye across a page and just subtle little like indicators where like, oh, this person's pointing the sword down because they're pointing to the next panel, but it's something you wouldn't really pick up on, but it's sort of this, uh, it's like advanced comic booking, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, once you, once you master the, or feel comfortable at least with like the mm-hmm. basics of, you know, your figures, your panels, putting together a whole issue, the next step is like those little intangibles. And then you get into like texturing and, and your blacks and really like making the eye focus on certain things in a panel. And it's just these, these little things that you just sort of absorb all along the way. And it is crazy. Cause I remember in the very beginning when Jason would draw panels and I would look at them and be like, I think this hand looks a little bit off or this might be a little bit off. And you know, now I don't have any, <laughs> I don't really have any art notes at all, but like in the beginning, you know, he's still trying to work out what characters are going to look like, how he's going to do his layouts, what his style is going to be um, in that book. And uh, you know, by the end of voracious, I think he really nailed on what his style is and what his art's going to look like but then he still took it to another level with by the horns i think you both did actually because i i noticed the same thing with your writing um the first volume of voracious was a lot wordier than even the following volumes it's like you learned how to uh how to work with jason better like use body language and scenery and stuff um the show don't tell basically Mm -hmm. um but i mean yeah so it's just like you you both like accomplished so much more i mean you guys have been working together for years and years now too so i mean i think that i think that really helps like when you guys get to know each other and know how each other think how did you guys meet like how did this dynamic (laughs) duo happen you want to tell it you want me to tell it jason (laughs) we'll tell the story i feel like we told the story like a gazillion times Quick, I usually tell it. You tell it. Yeah. The, the quickest version of the story is I used to work in a comic shop. Mark Stone was a customer there and uh, he had won a writing contest to get a, uh, for a script for the uh, the authority. Oh, was it cool. Wizard Magazine? I don't remember what it was for. It was some online contest to do an authority script, but I don't remember who, who was doing it. So basically he gave it to me because he knew I wanted to draw. I was about to go to college soon. So I drew the script, went away to college. We didn't see each other for years and years and years. And then there was a certain point where um, I was working at a graphic design job and I was like, I think I want to get back into comics. It was, you know, always my first love. It was always the thing I wanted to do. And I kind of just put the feelers out there to see if there's anybody writing books. And um, actually the manager of the old store that I used to work at, that Mark Hassan shopped at, um, he was putting together a book and Mark Hassan was going to write it with him. And um, that kind of fell through. But then Mark and I kind of hooked up through that. And one day we just got together and we sat down at a diner and he pitched me ideas. And one of the ideas was voracious. And I said, hell yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I love dinosaurs. I love time travel. And that's how it but went. 
the the cool part about that story that Jason left out though is that he drew those authority pages and gave them to me before he left. So when I met with him ten years later, I still had those pages and I gave them back to Jason. He forgot all about them, but it was really cool because that was like his real early stuff before he even you know got trained in art i guess yeah it was uh yeah <laughs> like i recognize the drawings of something I, it looks like something i would have done but i don't actually remember doing that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the magic of the local comic shop that's cool though but like a lot of times when i interview creatives like these these guys that end up working together like the, the story i hear a lot is like oh we were randomly sitting next to each other at a con table you live in hawaii and you're central jason right so like you're in the state yeah, i'm in the chicago area mark son actually used to live out here he's only a recent hawaii transplant yeah, I lived in Hawaii. I would for, transplant or, there if I, if I could. <laughs> I lived in Chicago for 20 years. So I've, I've been out here two years, almost two years now. So yeah, so we, Jason and I, you know, every once in a while we would meet up and have lunch or beers and stuff just to talk about the story or when we do our books, we like to um, talk about the characters, what they're going to look like, you know, what the shape of the arc is going to be like. It's not like Jason's just drawn the scripts that I send him, you know, we're, we're co-creating the book. So a lot of the ideas come from my head and then I sit down and tell him all that stuff. But then it's like, Jason, you know, what do you think about this? What would you like to draw? You know, what kind of environment? Environments you want to put in here. Um, here's some ideas for how I think they, the character should look, but you know, obviously, you know, you're going to come up with some cool ideas too. So we kind of hash that out before I even write a script, which I think is a little bit different than what most creators do. So Jason and I are like, we really kind of just create that world together. Um, and then we work on it. And one of the fun things too, is then like, sometimes I'll draw a page and I'll throw someone in the background and then Mark Stone will see the page. And then like the next issue, surprisingly, Mark Stone will be like, Hey, remember that background character? I'm going to make him like, I'm going to give him a speaking part in this scene. Or, you know, like I just, it, it's just something I randomly design. For instance, I think like in the first issue, um, Gary Panda, who Mark Stone described as this uh, furry little red panda shopkeeper, which I thought was great. I drew him. And then I think Mark Stone liked the visual enough that I think he made a couple more appearances than he was originally supposed to i think he made a real big fucking appearance that i just read that uh, <laughs> oh yeah you're uh, you're pretty far ahead if I'm, i won't spoil your guys's comic or anything I, I want people to be able to watch this and and still have the same reaction i did but yeah that that got me i really like how you guys include the back matter in your comics i think that's really cool i uh i really liked how we found out about how you guys named the unicorns like i thought that was really like awesome uh and yeah just just uh, seeing your character design work and sketch work and, and your ideas. Okay. So Jason, I have referenced you so many times now. And when I like write my reviews and stuff, cause I'm like, I have said so many times, this artist I really like said that, you know, one of the main things uh, or the hardest parts <laughs> about uh, comic art is making a static image look like it's moving. And I had never really thought of that before. You know, I just like read this page and I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And then you mentioned that in, in one of the back matter parts of one of the by the horns issue and i like dude i read that and it blew my mind because i was like wow like everything does like great comic art looks like it's moving it's a, the the big fight scenes the big splash scenes like it just looks like it's in motion even though you know it's it's not and you guys do that with like you know line work and, and shading and color and especially like all the cool stuff you guys do with uh with your amazing colorists and like the, the magic and stuff sure that's like i think one other one of those un intangible things that you learn along the way is to make stuff look like it's moving you know cloths should be moving hair should be moving debris rocks just all these little things that indicate that you know they're not just action figures 
standing there, they, they have like weight to them and they have movement to them and, you know, they're putting their weight on this foot. So like you could see like the muscles test tensing up on one side. It's all that stuff you just, you know, pick up along the way. It's, it's hard to teach someone that they just sort of got to like learn it by doing it. And yeah, that's a, that's a tricky thing to execute, but I think when it works, like like you were saying, a reader might not notice it immediately. Not say, they might not say to themselves like, oh, this feels like it's moving. They just know they like it and they know it's working. Yeah. I think that's the sign of good comics. I I went I was in an MFA and did like creative writing and stuff. So it's real easy for me to talk about plot beats and structure and pacing. I'm running out of cards to talk about art. Like I'm really, I'm really freaking, I'm like, man, I gotta like learn some more terminology and some jargon. Like if I'm gonna keep writing reviews, like I have to get better. Cause it's turning into where I'm just like, this looked really cool. And I'm like, <laughs> I like notice that now, like I'm when I'm writing, I'm like, you've said this like eight. <laughs> times before like i think you can put the uh not ugly art in the <laughs> this was not ugly <laughs> story good art pretty i think uh some of those intangible things apply to the writing too you know there's just like certain things you pick up along the way where you know like not over explaining stuff or knowing knowing when to put in a lot of words knowing when to pull back on a lot of words and it's just kind of like a gut feeling thing that you pick up along the way and i think you know mark sign could probably speak to that but i feel like that sort of thing evolved along the way through voracious up till by the horns well like pacing is the most important thing to me in the comics so with voracious um yeah there blake you mentioned this earlier there's a lot more words and stuff and i think voracious was just more of an ambitious book it was our first book we didn't know if it was going to be our last book i wanted to get everything i could in there you know i wanted to try to get every single thing that i love about comics into that book it was harder it was really hard because i, I had a lot of moving parts and it, it it crossed a lot of genres and by the horns does too but i wanted to try to start from a simpler place and then build it up as opposed to a voracious where I think it started off pretty complex and, you know, it, it kind of remained at that level, maybe even got a little bit more as it went along. So I think that's something I kind of learned uh, doing by the horns. At least I, when I started, I wanted to, to try to, to start it from a smaller uh, point. So, and you know, there's things, there's drawbacks to that. Cause if you do an issue, people are like always want more in it. You know, I think we gave people a lot in that first issue, but sometimes people just want more about the world and the, and the characters and everything. And, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to pace this differently. It moves fast as far as where the characters are going around the world, but it moves slower in terms of um, how they're interacting with each other. So it's just something I wanted to try in that. And then I'll speed it up or slow it down, you know, based on uh, where the story takes me. So issue five, which we won't talk about too much, but I kind of speed things up a little bit in that. Yeah, you did. You sure did. <laughs> like right, yeah. right out of the portal, click, click, boom. Like it was, oh man, I, I'm excited for people to read it. I'm, I'm bummed though. Cause now I have to, what, three months away now from <laughs> or two and a half months away from the next issue. That's, that's the bummer about like getting, like these cool sneak peeks early is like no you're yeah yeah that's right because for sick because uh i think four comes out next week mm -hmm. and then five will be a month after that and then then it's another month before six comes out i'll yeah. just read them over and over again <laughs> drink i'll drink beer out of my viking horn and, and read the, read the that's right you got the viking horn it's great I sure as shit did i love that thing, man. <laughs> but yeah i mean when you mentioned rereading the books i think that if you reread by the horns you will be rewarded because there's things that come up 
in the issue, like five that were in the very first issue, but you might not know about that. Like you might've forgotten about something that happened in that one. Like every single thing that I, that I put into a panel, almost everything matters in, in my books. They're, I feel like my books are very layered. Voracious is like that too. So, you know, I think you can go back and see like where we kind of built some of that stuff up because it's not like it just came in there randomly, you know? Yeah. I work on the book and I forget about stuff. <laughs> you know, it's true, it's they'll like, be wow. like, hey, remember that thing in issue one? They pull that device out again. And you're like, what? What device? <laughs> I'll have to like reference my own art to see like, what are you talking about? That's true. Yeah. I think one of the uh, fun things we've been experimenting with too on By the Horns of the Writing is there's been a few um, sequences we've done Marvel style, which has been a lot of fun. So I mean, if people aren't familiar, Marvel style is when like a writer will kind of give a general plot. Here's where it begins. Here's kind of the beats and here's where it ends. And then the artist will go and kind of figure out the individual breakdowns, you know, the individual panels, the individual beats of the of the sequence. Mm -hmm. So like I'll often, you know, especially with By the Horns, I'll pitch Marcus on a lot of ideas. Um, for instance, issue five, without spoiling it, there's a big battle in a, in a crypt. And that was something I'd pitch Marks on at the beginning. I said, hey, I want to draw like an Indiana Jones style crypt in the book. Do you think that can fit anywhere? And then when the issue five script came into my uh, my email, I got to a point and said, hey, here's your crypt, Jason. Go nuts. Just make sure that at the end of the sequence, this happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, the thing of it is Jason's like passionate about these scenes. And I mean, I can't work every single thing that he wants to do into it, although I, I think I've done most of them. But, you know, I know how passionate he is about that. And he has a vision of what it's like in his head. And yeah, I have to get the characters to certain beats, but I just want him to be able to draw what he wants to draw. So like in five, and then what was the other one where they, uh, was it three? I think it was issue three, where they have the whole psychedelic uh, experience with the, the creature that warps reality around them. It was Jason's idea. So, well, I want him to end up like this. This is how I want it to end up. But, it, you know, before that, what happens and how it warps the reality you know, you can do what you want to do and how you want to lay it out. So it's kind of neat because I get surprised by what Jason does. You know, uh, he kind of explains to me what he wants to do, but I don't know how it's going to look like pan like laid out as the panels because I'm not writing the descriptions for the panels. So that was fun. And then in five, when he does that kind of Indiana Jones sequence, that turned out really cool too. Although that one was really hard for me to script because sometimes he'll do stuff where he'll have um, the characters interact with each other and I might not necessarily have done that if I was writing the script so I have to figure out a way to like make it work for me because the characters live so much in my head like I feel like they're part of me or I know them like they're almost like friends so that one was a little bit more difficult I think because I think I rewrote that thing like 10 times that sequence and it's not even a lot of dialogue really but um, so it's an interesting exercise to do it and I know Jason had fun with it so, you know, hopefully we get to do more of that uh, in the future as well. I like that you both have referenced Indiana Jones because that's exactly what I thought of when I was reading it. I was like, well, I was like, wow, like it's, I love the 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 scenery changes and, and the you know, where they're traveling this this world, you know, and it's this cool, magical world and these crazy monsters. And I just love the the villains and this this whole deal of like power sharing with the with the sorcerers and, and just all the design work and world building you guys are doing. 
like that's what really impresses me you know in voracious you guys built this crazy dinosaur science fiction world right but you still you had like actual dinosaurs to like build from whereas by the horns like this is all made up this is i mean these are all coming from both of your minds and Mm -hmm. and ideas and and emotions and and turning into these like really amazing displays of creativity again referencing the back matter that you guys put in and it's cool how you guys are using uh like these these old deities from like different cultures and and jason's putting his spin on them and like there not a lot of people are doing this stuff in comics like i read a lot of indie comics like i'm i'm lucky enough where people like send me stuff and i i get to read so much now where you guys are like a level above it uh this it's this you know this science fiction fantasy amalgamation the the polished the the polished art the polished storytelling these these characters that like you know you said that they they feel like your friends in your head man they feel like my friends like i am so terrified of like who's gonna die and by the horns because i just feel like it's coming i just always am scared like i just like someone's always gonna die in and everything like because you know no one lives forever especially in this like crazy world where there's just all this battling and magic and and now we have like now we have like the big bad right we we see the big bad now and it's like oh man like every page you know like i love these action scenes and i'm like whoa wow and i like turn the page and i'm like please everybody be okay okay thank god (laughs) i I mean i'm sorry you're you're scared i mean i don't want you to be scared but at the same time i'm glad you are because it means that the characters are connecting with you and that's like a big thing for me just from the very first issue i i want people to be able to identify with the characters and want to follow them on their their journey you know and be interested and invested in in what they do and um and quite frankly i read a lot of comics and i don't get that so for me i i always have to have that in the books and I just feel like Jason and I put so much extra into our our world. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Not that, you know, comic book creators have to do that, but I think we do definitely go the extra mile with all that. I mean, I've lost count of all the creatures we've created in that. Every single issue, Jason draws a different logo background with creatures on it, you know, and then we've done some also some really cool merch um, that goes with, with the, the book as well. Um, but we just really spent a lot of time researching things and just trying to figure out how the best way to tell them like the wind gods that was something I really wanted to do like if I'm going to do sorcerers based on the wind well I really want to lay into that I really want to find out more about that and so you know that informs the art and informs the storytelling and that's the best part about doing it is just uh, putting everything you have into it yeah I think that's the one of the great challenges and also the great joys of the book at the same time is that we're building everything from scratch this world doesn't exist so uh, you know (laughs) the challenge is that's a lot of work. But I mean, one of the great joys is the book can be anything we want. You know, uh, I, I don't know how many people know about the premise of the book, but it takes place in the fantasy world. Um, it's about a hunter named Elodie whose husband was trampled by unicorns before the beginning of the first issue. And so it's it's kind of a revenge quest. But then along the way, she finds out that there's kind of a, uh, a bigger threat than that. She's got to decide if she's going to sort of rise to the occasion or uh, just continue on with her revenge quest. The world we've built is there's magic, there's technology, there's, there's anything you want in it, which is, you know, I think that's one of the reasons we wanted to do, we want to go past this initial first arc and, you know, do as many stories in the world as possible, because as we do it, we just keep coming up with these ideas. I mean, for me, speaking on my part, like I always come up with these visuals in my head, like, oh, like I was talking about like the Indiana Jones crypt. Like I love booby traps. I love 
love that sort of stuff. Or, you know, one of the things we've been bouncing off each other lately has been like pirates. Like, what can we do with pirates? You know, could they encounter some pirates? Just things like that. And like the world is such that it all fits. It all works. You know, and some of my favorite books are the books that um, have a really rich, rich world that they've built. You know, not that they have to touch on all the elements of the world, but just present it in a way where, you know, the world is bigger than this story. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe you might get to that stuff. Maybe you won't, but it's there and it just feels big. You know, it's like Star Wars, you know, the way Star Wars it was a lived in galaxy and there, there's a, a, you know, an assumed history to it. Or even, you know, speaking of comics, like I love um, Block and Key. Yes, dude, that's like my favorite comic ever Uh, but not the show not the show like the story is you know about this family in this house but as it goes along there's just these hints that like there were families that also lived in the house before them and there's all these keys and it and you have that like um you know that like little jolt of excitement it's that like pokemon gotta catch them all like oh my god there's more keys out there like what are they going to be? When are they going to turn up? What's the history of each one? And so I, I think we're trying to do that type of book where, you know, you're presented with this world. And as the story goes along, you're going to find out like the world's a little bit bigger than you thought. And like, you know, it, you know, early on, we lay out that there's these four wind wizards. And then so you're like, when are we going to get to each wizard? And what are they going to be? And what are their powers? And what are they going to be like? And it's great just to lay all these like little, you know, details out there. And like, maybe we'll get to them, maybe we won't, but it just makes the world feel cool and lived in. And, you know, as like dynamic as it can possibly be that's one of the strengths of by the horns i think is that you have so much world building it never like you know slogs the pacing you don't beat people over the head with it you know we don't need to know every a background for every single you know being or entity we come across in the woods um and i and i think to go back to our jason love fest i i think you guys get away with that too is, is because of like the fucking awesome pictures you draw man like it's just it's it's so realized and it it's just like you see that and you're like, yep, okay, I'm game. Like they're there and I'm all for it because this looks <laughs> awesome. These characters that that you're scripting, you know how they act in these intense situations. You know what they're going to say. And it's just everything feels so realized. Uh, your readers just trust you. Like your audience trusts you. You're going to, I know that you're going to get us to where we need to go from page one to 24. If you throw some crazy shit in there, like cool. Like I, I'm going to trust, like I'm going to be like, okay, like it's there for a reason and I'm just going to keep going with it. I never really thought that i would fall in love with an eyeball tentacle like evelyn is like so amazing and i'm like holy shit and and four when she's like when she's got the the uh assault rifle the blaster <laughs> yeah. i was like okay i that was the coolest fucking panel i've ever seen like i tweeted earlier i was like i don't have any tattoos or anything i've never really wanted a tattoo i kind of want evelyn shit now i want that yeah like i was like i kind of want that on my body somewhere dude it, it was it's so exciting when i wrote that because i don't think i told jason that oh i want evelyn to have a gun in it <laughs> i wrote that panel and then he gets to see it it's just like it is an awesome visual of a floating eyeball when i saw that in the script i thought it was so funny that she pulled a gun out she just pulls it out and then i drew it and like i i don't want to say i was impressed with my drawing but i was like amused with like how it came out i was like this is pretty funny looking an eyeball shooting like a giant assault rifle and then i think that just became a running theme in the book where like now evelyn's really into guns well, yeah, there's a there's another scene where she's got she's got like a gun, an axe. She's like 
just strapped to the max. She's like fucking John Wick, like walking around in the forest. You know, like so yeah, like she's one of my favorite. Part. I, I mean, I love all the characters. Um, I really like. I'm a dog guy, so like Sajin is is amazing. LEDs, like I, I love strong female characters, and uh, she's just like she's beautiful and she's badass, and uh, and she's also like very emotional. And I love how we get glimpses of that as we find out more of her story, you know, and and how how angry and sad she gets, like how much you see that like in her face so many people struggle with that guys like you you do facial expressions and stuff really well and and i wish i wish that was in more book because there's a lot of emotional like the new x-men books i love the new x-men books and it's a huge it's a mutant melodrama now but they sometimes the artists like can't hit it and it's like and and, you know that's like you we get these great like massive battle scenes and like mutants using their powers but like when it when it zooms in and when someone's hurting or really happy or scared the artist can't execute that on the page like it's so important to our books because we put so much heart and stuff in our books and like a character like Elodie she's trying to hold back on some of those emotions like violence is at the forefront but some of the other feelings the complexities of it she doesn't always let them out you know sometimes stuff just triggers her and so Jason's got to be able to turn that on a dime mm-hmm. and you talked about Evelyn like she's a floating eyeball but the emotion the expressions that Jason's able to put out she's almost like she almost like gives you the emotion of an entire scene just by being in the background and looking a certain way. Yeah, I always say Evelyn's a kind of like a walking emoji. There you go, yeah. Because like whatever whatever the scene calls for, whether they're scared, whether they're angry, and whether they're sad, like yeah. she is, I mean, she's just a giant eyeball. So she's just like a the most basic visual representation of an emotion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I write like, oh, this is what the character is like, the face or what, what, what the character is supposed to be look like, what they're feeling. But, you know, I'm always surprised and happy with what Jason puts down on the uh, on the piece of paper, like the way that they look, because I have a picture in my head and it's almost always better uh, when he puts it on the page. Um, just conveying that emotion. <laughs> I thought you were about to say like, it's in my head and it looks better, but then it, the page is okay. <laughs> like, well, the, the tables have turned. <laughs> no, I most of the time um I can't think of any specific instances where I was like, you know, this isn't exactly what I wanted to see on that. M- maybe once. I think may- actually maybe in 6 there was one thing that I wanted to do and Jason didn't didn't like it so we had to like compromise on how we were get- we were going to flow uh part of 6. But um other than that, most of the time, you know, what he draws is 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 perfect or better than what I imagined. Transitioning from this, I know this is I keep bouncing back and forth between Voracious and and by the horns. Uh like no worries I, like i am not a master of structure i'm just the inter- i just <laughs> i just talk like <laughs> um but i really really liked um it, at the end of voracious uh the kiss uh when you guys talked about how, <laughs> how whether or not to have that kiss in there which like Man, when when I read that, the back and forth between you guys about like who wanted it and who didn't, I was almost angry. I was like, if that kiss wouldn't have been at the end of this, because <laughs> the whole time, man, I'm like, I'm I'm like waiting for it. Like it, it, it felt like uh, it, it felt like watching years and years of How I Met Your Mother, and I was just like, just get together, <laughs> like. Ugh. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Jason, that we had like, I wouldn't say an argument, but we definitely had a discussion about it. Is that why you moved to Hawaii? You're like, (laughs) you're like, that's it. You can have your kiss. I'm leaving. 
<laughs> up until like the day I was going to draw it, like literally the night before I was going to draw that page. Cause I had sent Marcus on multiple versions of that page, you know, like, and I would, I would thumbnail it out. Like, what if it goes like this? What if it goes like this? And you're like, no, I really feel it's got to end here. And I think it got to a point where I sent him one last layout, like the night before I was going to draw it. I was like, please, <laughs> what do you think of this? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, it wasn't quite that. It was like, yeah, Jason kept doing it, sending those layouts. But the thing with me is the pacing of it. So I had to rewrite it. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll put the kiss in, but I had to rewrite it so that it would work for me. Um, cause Jason was like actually drawing out the panels, like the beats. And I'm like, I don't, this isn't working for me. Let me see if I can redo it and write it in a way that works. Cause to me, and it's still, I still feel this way. The kiss isn't necessary. I'm glad it's in the book. I think it's awesome. It works great. And I'm glad we had that debate and it's the perfect ending, but not necessarily, it's not necessary to the book. Cause you know what the feeling is without, yeah. without that part of it. Yeah. I think uh, one of the debates we were having was Marcus sounds like, well, it's implied that they get together. You know, we don't need to like sort of do the stereotypical thing big kiss mm-hmm. at the end and i was like no i want to draw that kiss <laughs> like, give it to me Let it me really have felt it. like uh it, it felt <laughs> like that iconic like mj spider-man like the the you hit the jackpot tiger sure. like you guys yeah, had yeah. that same energy and, and and not to lessen like your story but i mean like that's like an iconic comic frame and and you guys did that in your own way um yeah at the the love story in that man i just like i, I got into that comic knowing nothing like i was reading by the horns and i really liked it knew it was about food and i love to cook and love food and i was and i love dinosaurs and i was like i knew that he like found a time machine somehow and and got dinosaur meat and served the dinosaur meat you know that's all i knew and and then like and then like volume two and it's like whoa like this is what like what just happened and then volume three is like oh like human meat does something crazy to the dinosaurs and then the whole uh with gus and and his wife and like he's losing the memories and i mean like do you know how like weird it feels to be a grown man (laughs) and crying about a dinosaur's missing wife i was like what is wrong with me? I was like, you guys, you guys, I used to be a bouncer and like get bar fights. And now you guys have me gone soft. Over. I've gotten, yeah, I'm, I'm squishy as fuck. Like, No, I listen, man, when I'm writing some of those scenes, I tear up. I definitely teared up at the end and a lot of the voracious, you know, it is the end. So of course I'm going to be emotional, but there's a lot of emotional beats in that last, those last two issues in particular, but also the first issue of feeding time where it's like Gus, uh, he's got almost like the soliloquy where he's talking about his wife. That was, I, I debated on that because I'm like, this is an all new character who is showing a lot of emotion. We're not showing any of the main characters from the beginning. Do I really want to start the second series like this? And I said, I have to, I need this beat. I need people to be invested in this character like right away. So, you know, I tear up when I write stuff. Uh, I've done it in By the Horns too. <laughs> that's so, when you, you know. that's when you know it's good when you're like you're like at the you're you're at the computer <laughs> typing and then you're like you're like oh god yeah not yeah. five I definitely uh, six definitely six just like, looks uh, sad that cover just looks like <laughs> you guys are gonna put me through the emotional ringer like I'm like. I guess I'm, I'm glad I got a few months to prepare for it because that just looks like a really intense cover. Six has high highs and low lows. You're going to um, 
you're gonna see you know speak about ellie the main character and like the the kind of the, the emotions she's holding back you're gonna get a different side of her because she wasn't always like the way she is and so uh, i think six gives you a glimpse at a like a, a different life for her and, and it'll be like a really interesting journey to you know experience the the greatest moments of her life and the lowest moments of her life and that kind of brings you right to where the story picks up in issue one. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, six is my favorite one I've written for sure. And, um, you know, you're going to get the whole backstory with, with Elodie. You so. are an interesting man. So you're like, you're like this metalhead with a heart of gold, right? And you write these like really emotional tales and, and you just, you know, you, you just look, you got like the tattoos and you just look like, you look like a badass. Like you look, <laughs> well, I am a badass. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> I mean, you just nail emotion, man. Like you, it's just, it's so natural to you and, and it never feels, it never feels cheesy. Nothing ever feels forced. You know, it's just like oh, everything you, just feel you're very welcome. Well, thank you guys for giving me this story. So I, I was, I was really excited and a little nervous uh, to talk to you guys because like, cause you've recently read like all these books by these guys and you're just going to be like, ah, and like, I, I was like, just try and like be cool. <laughs> and I was like, so I was like kind of nervous nervous about how are we going to like not just fanboy over all this like stuff and and i don't even care anymore like you guys are cool and you're writing one of my favorite books and it's it's just awesome and i'm really glad I'm, i thought it was really cool that everything just happened to happen today too like you, the, the scout sends the email out and i was like well hey i was like well shit they're gonna be in a good mood tonight probably so that's good <laughs> I mean, we're usually in good mood. I mean, we're sweethearts, to be honest. Like, we're, you know, yeah, yeah I'm pretty badass. That's undeniable. <laughs> but, you know, you know, I love rom-coms and stuff, you know? I, I don't know. I'm just like, uh, I think that you should have a positive outlook on life. That's what I really like about what you're doing, Blake. Almost all this stuff, actually everything you're doing is very positive. There's no negativity surrounding it. You're, you're, you're talking about comics in a way that gets people excited about them and makes them love them. And uh, I think we definitely need more of that. And, uh, you know, Jason and I are like that, you know, we're, we're very positive uh, people. I don't like, I think the internet's too negative. Like I love Twitter yeah. and I love the, I love that you comic writers, Writers and artists are are like willing to talk to fans when a lot of fans can be little shitbirds at you because I see that a lot too, <laughs> and like man my my philosophy is like if I don't like something I'm not going to cover it. I always make the joke that like you know I'm not going to look at someone's baby and take a shit on it. Like no one wants shit mm. on their baby, you know. And like and and wow. so many people get like. People like love negativity, and I don't, I don't. Yeah, well, people just get riled up about everything. I mean, even like comic book creators. Like today, I saw somebody posted, you know, that I guess writers don't have certain experiences, and so you know they're not going to be able to do that. I mean, why would you even bother commenting on that? It's not <laughs> worth your time. Like, I don't understand that. And I see a lot of uh, comic book creators like talking about that, and I'm I'm never going to sure. talk about that stuff. Like, I, don't I always think that. like, don't take the bait. They take the bait every time. And it's like some of my favorite creators talking about it. I'm like, really? Yeah. I always try to, I don't talk about stuff I don't like. I only talk about things I do like. If I didn't like something, I'm not going to mention it. Because it might be someone's favorite thing, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. And and also, like, I was a bouncer. Like, I've been hit in the face a few times. Doesn't make you a better writer. I wish it did. <laughs> I'd have a fucking comic book out right now. I don't. <laughs> you know? like it, So, yeah, that whole deal today was just weird. <laughs> I know writers who are just amazing who've never been through any of that. This is, it was a stupid thing. It, it doesn't, you don't need to comment on it, man. You're just like validating that. You're just kind of like, um, you're promoting that kind of uh, discussion, like discussion in quotes. The discourse. Yeah. <laughs> the Twitter discourse. <laughs> 
discourse. I think that's one of the great things about comics is there's no qualifications. Anyone can make a comic. Any anyone can write a comic. Anyone can draw a comic. You know, there's yeah, like you- there's different styles of artwork that work for different stories. You know, and like so you're not like a superhero artist, but like you can still get something out there. And you know, it's I just don't like gatekeeping and being weird. Like you guys can't be in comics, or this type of person can't be in comics. Like just make a comic. And like now with the internet, obviously you can just publish whatever you want. You know, you can just throw it up on a website and or yeah, like web comics, Kickstarter. Like it's, sure. you can you can do anything basically now. Like if I mean if you've got if you've got a story to tell, it's it's pretty easy to be able to tell it. Um, you know, you just got to do it. Like you guys said earlier, yeah. you just got to do it. You just got to hop in. You have to. You just have to create that comic and go. I mean, when we did uh, Cretaceous, the Ashcan Voracious, you know, there was a lot of issues with it. We But we did it. Like, it was a huge sense of accomplishment. We pitched it. We even had a publisher for that first one, even though the book wasn't even that good <laughs> until we retooled it, you know? Um, so, you know, you got to do it and then just keep, keep, keep going after it, man. That's how it works. Like you have to have, um, you have to be tenacious. You said you were kind of asking Scout, right? Like you were, you kind of were like, hey, let us do more. Let us do more. Scout's been pretty amicable about anything we've kind of really pitched them. Really? You know, because at the beginning it was a six issue and then um, it became a seven issue. (laughs) Then it became an eight issue. And every time we've just said like, hey, can we do one more? Can we do more? And then they're sure. And then, you know, like I was saying, like we kept coming up with these ideas of stuff we could put in a second arc. And I was, you know, I think we both independently just came to the conclusion, like, we got to keep doing this, right? Yeah. Like, oh, we should probably ask Scout if we keep doing this. <laughs> and they said, yeah. So, well, I wanted to get it to eight issues too. And, and I was like, well, we're going to have to ask Scout if we can even do this. And then maybe we'll just ask if we can do more because we just, we have so much. And uh, yeah, they, we didn't have to keep asking. We just asked the one time and they were really into it. And then it just spiraled from there, man, because the book apparently is doing well and um, they love the book. We love Scout. You know, they're, they're been so helpful uh, to us. We love that they, they gave our book a chance because, I mean, our books are a little bit offbeat. You know, <laughs> I don't think people know what to make of them. Definitely voracious. And even by the horns, you know, with unicorns, like, I, I don't want to read about unicorns. I want to read about these unicorns, though. So so for them to take a chance on it and then just get behind it as much as they have and just all their help, assistance, and just uh, just being there for us. Uh, appreciate it. I love Scout. I, I'm glad the book landed there. I can't wait to do more with them, with this book, but, you know, other books as well. I was really happy for you guys because you added that in the Voracious Trades where there was like that moment where you guys didn't know if you were going to get to finish your story or not. You kind of wrote short essays in the back matter and, and you mentioned you were like, we didn't know if this was going to happen it was kind of scary we were bummed like we didn't know if it was going to be picked back up i'm like i think you guys so much deserve this <laughs> we were kind of naive slash ballsy in the beginning where we pitched voracious as like a three arc book you know <laughs> 15 issues where you know in the beginning you should be pitching like four issue miniseries pretty ballsy slash you know just like naive about the industry or where we go and that was a concern you know because you know it was our first we were first time creators and it's like it's someone going to pick up our book is someone going to like our book are you going to get the continue to do it you know because like the first volume ends on a humongous cliffhanger it'd be very weird if the book just ended there so like yeah we were just praying that entire time like please let's get to 15 you know and i think we did the reverse with by the horns and i think that was you know designed that way from the beginning we concocted it as a mini series you know like a five six issue mini series and then you know we built up the goodwill to the point where we could expand it and keep going with the book but, uh, you know, I think we learned from the voracious thing is, you know, your first book should not be like a 15 issue opus. Start small and then be asked to keep going. 
a uh, couple couple weeks ago you posted the uh you you did the like oh, top yeah. metal mm-hmm. albums of the year or... I, the older i get i like my food spicier and i like my music heavier like i've always been like a big tool fan and stuff mm-hmm. real intense metal like used to not always be my jam and like now it really like i love it now i really appreciate podcasts like yours that's like opening my eyes to like all this new stuff it, it's like comics you know like it, it, when you're on twitter like you get like 80 referrals a day you know and, and it's like and, and <laughs> yeah. the music is the same way you're like oh i like this kind of music it's like oh here's like 30 bands to check out and you have spotify so you like you can you know like you can just like get lost in in these heavy riffs and uh, your podcast is really cool and you yeah, also have a record of, yep i do right that's right yeah the metalheads podcast is the the podcast i do uh with uh five friends and uh i, I was a guest on the show back in like 2018 and the boys, they put out a call for listeners because the podcast is really about, you know, community of metal. So they invite listeners on. We interview bands and 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 artists and stuff like that, but we also have listeners on. So at the time, like I found that podcast and I didn't really have anybody to talk metal with. It's just, I just don't have a lot of friends that are into metal. Like Jason won't talk metal with me. So now I've been doing it for three years now and I, I love it. I can't imagine not doing the Metalheads podcast. And I think, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I think it's the best metal podcast because we really dig into stuff that people just don't know about. Like, you know, I just think we find stuff and spotlight bands that people just have no clue about, you know, even Metalheads. And I like that. Plus, I just feel like, like a lot like this cast, Blake, you know, it's just a, it's just about hanging out, having beers, and just uh, having good conversations with people. So people seem to respond to that a lot. You posted about this band the other day that, like, rocked my freaking sauce. Probably uh, the wheel. Wheel! Yes! Yeah. Dude, I cannot stop. I cannot stop listening to them. Like it's a great band. I, I'm cool. really bad with that. Like I've been obsessed with Tool for a long time. I have to like take breaks from Tool because I'll that'll be all I listen to, or I'll find a new album and I'll just like I'm really bad about switching stuff up. Like I'll get comfortable with new music. You know, and it's funny because I'm not like that with books. I don't reread books all the time. Well, except by the horns. Oh yeah, well yeah. Like I mean, <laughs> by, by the horns of course. It's on my pole and I buy some variants and I oh, really no, need you. to get a jason remark before he right be, before oh, before he starts charging like 150 bucks for him or something like i <laughs> oh, need to, i need to get in at that 30 dollar per he whatever won't. it is before he before he blows up jason always undercharges i every time we go to a convention together I'm like jason you're you're drawing like these really detailed <laughs> art pieces why are you charging like <laughs> $20 for them. And there's all these people are coming and get, I'm like, why do you think all these people are coming up to you? Because <laughs> It's like $20 and they're getting an amazing. Piece. Yeah. I mean, I love that Jason doesn't overcharge. I love that he doesn't overcharge because you know, he does it because he's, well, I, I always, I'm always talking for Jason, but he does it because he loves, like, he loves that people love our book and that he love his art and he wants people to have stuff and not have to gouge them, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I mean, it's always hard to escape the imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? <laughs> no matter how many times somebody tells you they like your art or they like your book, you're like, but do they really? Like, am I really worthy of their praise? I'm the same way with like, uh, like a review or, um, you know, like a couple of the guests I've had on the show, they're like, they're like, Blake, this was really fun. And I was like, was it like, <laughs> like it shocks me when I'm like, Hey, like, I really like your comic. You guys want to come talk about it? And you guys are like, yeah. And I'm like, oh. like, I didn't even, I didn't have to like, I didn't even have to like <laughs> PayPal you or like buy something from your store. Like you just said, yes. Oh, <laughs> I, I forgot to send you my rate. I'll do that after the show. Ooh, awkward. That's, that's why, that's why I, I had this plan. That's why I bought the voracious trilogy for 
from your store. I mean, I think most comic book creators are just excited to talk about comics because most comic creators, they're not making money. They're doing it because of the love of comics, you know, like sure. they, we want to talk about our book because man, we enjoy doing it. It's like, it's a huge part of our lives. Sure. And I, hopefully someone listens to the podcast and says like, Hey, that book sounds cool. I'm going to pick it up. I've done that before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. You know, you'll, it's funny. You'll get asked similar questions over and over again, but it's, you know, who knows if that one person was listening to that one podcast and heard the pitch for the book that you've pitched for like the 75th time, but that's the first time they're hearing <laughs> it and they pick up the book. And I think one of the things that we try to do is um, we try to reply to everybody that says nice things about the book and, you know, build a community because like, there's so many books out there Yeah. and like, it's not worth it to one, be like a dick to your fans. <laughs> And oh, two, yeah. well, I've had that like, experience. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like it makes you. And there's plenty of books. Like you don't need to pick up that book if somebody's a dick to you. So it's like, yeah, uh, we'll never be it, dicks yes, to you. We'll never be dicks. <laughs> we'll always, always be cordial. We always thank you for picking up our book because we genuinely are thankful that you're picking up our book. Because I mean, like I know I read a ton of books, and you know, you try to make the the best book you possibly can so that it, you know, finds itself on someone's pile amongst like you know people are always going to buy Batman and Spider Man and X Men. So like as an indie creator, you got to work harder. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons we like put so much stuff into our book. You know, our books are a little bit longer and there's a little bit more design work to them and there's more back matter. It's like we're fighting an uphill battle against like it's like the the, the episode of The Simpsons where Lisa wants to design that doll to complete compete with Malibu Stacy. And then at the <laughs> yeah. end, they uh, just put out a Malibu Stacy with a hat. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I'm not going to knock, you know, like I love Spider-Man. I love X-Men. I love those books. But they're Malibu Stacy with a new hat, you know, and we're, we're struggling here with and our the people doll. creating them, you know, sure. I'm sure they love them and they're into them, but they don't own them. So they're, you know, there's no incentive for them to go the extra mile for those kind of books for our book. You know, this is something we created, you know, we want people to enjoy it. Like we enjoy it, you know? Yeah. It's your baby. Um, Elodie's Elodie's your hero. Like, I mean, it's, you know, it's our baby. We're co-parents of these characters. <laughs> and there are times, you know, where you got to debate how you're going to raise these characters. <laughs> you know? For the most part, we're on the same track, but you know, you always want, you know, there's always a, you know, like when Mark Snow writes a script, there's always like a, a, you know, a flutter in my stomach. Like, what's the script going to entail? What's he doing with our character? You know, speaking about you worried about people dying in the book, there was a debate whether a character was going to die. And I won't reveal what the outcome was of the debate. But the entire time we were doing the book, I was like, is this character going to die? I don't know. We'll, there, see, we'll find out. There I wasn't really know. a debate. It wasn't a debate. I hadn't decided. He had decided, yes. Mark <laughs> was the, uh, the, the grim specter of death. <laughs> If he'd see if he passed judgment on this character, if they'd make it or not. I've been scared for Sajin the whole time. So also because like while reading this, I read um, Stray Dogs. I'll watch like an alien slaughter humanity and eat a baby. Like that does not bother me. Like I'll be like, oh, it's crazy. You kill a dog on screen, <laughs> yeah. man. For, for, I, I have two old dogs, right? So like something happens to a dog in a movie. I have to stop the movie and then I have to like go find my dogs, make sure they're okay. And be like, I love you. I'm glad you're still here. And like pet them. <laughs> And, love and I'll be like, okay, I'll go back and watch the movie. I had to do that like a million times reading Stray Dogs. And so now like with your guys' comic, like Sajin is so cool. And I'm just like, I'm like, God, I like him too much. I, I, him and, because like, I'm pretty sure, well, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to take like bets on like who's going to die, but I'm just like, you know, like oddly enough, like Sajin and Elodie, or, or not Elodie, uh, Evelyn, uh, you know, like I'm like, I would be heartbroken if something happened to like one of these 
these characters, which is, I mean, it's, that's a sign of like your guys' great storytelling. But ever since like when like Elodie and Sajin like cuddle and have like those like cute moments that you guys throw in every now and then, (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, this is bait. This is bait. Like, it's like a heart, like, oh, you're going to like fill my heart with animal love. And then the next page. (laughs) They're family, you know, you you don't want to. And they feel, hopefully they feel like family to the people that are reading the books too. So yeah, I get that. But, uh, you know, you'll see what happens. I'm excited. If I'm writing for an ongoing, I, I can do it more naturally. I don't have to have a set number of issues per arc or whatever. So I, I like that feeling going into the next part of the book that, um, that I don't have to try to get every single beat I wanted. Now I feel like the first eight issues work really well and it works naturally and everything, but there is always that like nagging part <laughs> in my brain. That's like, Oh, I've got to, I've got to get this in, especially for issue eight. Cause the, you know, it's, Yes, our series is going to continue, but it's the closing, you know, it's it, it's the end of what was going to be that mini series. Yeah. So a lot of um, you got to have a lot of closure in that. And I want to make sure everything gets in there in the right way. Uh, but fortunately, I feel like it's really strong issue. So uh, I'm feeling quite good going to the next the next part of By the Horns. But the other thing, too, that was cool is. A lot of times, you know, you'll do a miniseries and you have to do another miniseries. You get to start over from number one. Like, I really wanted to just continue the book. I want our book to be the longest running Scout book in the history of Scout. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I always like books that go for a while. So I like that we have the opportunity and the freedom and the and the readership where we can just continue the book with natural numbering instead of uh, starting over from number one. So hopefully that that it stays that way for, for a while. I, I think today is a good good sign for you. When your guys' comic comes out on Wednesday, you know, because that's the deal, right? On on Wednesday, like everybody posts their comic haul and makes me jealous because they like, I don't know, I don't know what the hell some of these people do for a living. Like they got kids and shit. Like I'm single and they're like buying, they're spending like 150, 200 bucks a week. Some, some of these people. And I'm, that's I'm like, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> he buys every comic. Everybody always has your guys' comic. I feel like when it comes out, like I see that in every, like all my friends' pull lists and stuff and then even today it was even more so because it was just like this showering of of by the horns love and everybody was so excited about the announcement take the time out of your day and, and this was your day took time out of your day to like respond to everybody excited about by the horns and i was just like i was like man you guys are cool like that was just i don't know that was like pretty heartwarming i was like oh, these guys are good dudes you know the retailers um they're the ones that made the day possible like we don't get it ongoing without without people reading it. So of course we're gonna respond to anything people say. We we always try to do that for everything. Um, you know, when people buy books from me, you're gonna get a personalized note from me. I'm very appreciative. I not a lot of people get to do comics. You know, like I've loved comics my whole life. The fact that Jason and I get to do them now, like it's like a dream. Like we're not taking that for granted, man. Never. Yeah. That's always the fear too. You know, like we did voracious and people seem to like it and it got a little bit of buzz. It wasn't, you know, a huge book, but you know, it had its following and there's always the concern like, Oh, was this our one shot? You know, do we only have like one good idea? We only <laughs> get our one chance to do it. You know, well, I wasn't worried about we gotta that. Put our, our soft, you know, <laughs> fans always worry about their sophomore album, you know, when their first albums, uh, super successful and, but you know, 
I think the other, the other thing, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about is like voracious has um, a definite hook to it. You know, it's got a, you can summarize it pretty well with one sentence, one or two sentences and people get it and they get the concept and, you know, you hook them in with that by the horns is a little bit more nebulous, you know, it's a revenge story, but you know, you can't pitch someone like, Oh, but there's good relationships and there's good characters. You know, that's sort of stuff they have to find on their own. You know, it's not an elevator pitch type of book. You know, you can tell them the gist of it, but it's not like, oh my God, that's such a crazy twist. You know, it's more of like a, it builds. So like, you got to get people in the door with that first issue to like fall in love with the characters, fall in love with the world, see what we're doing there. And then, then they get on board. Or not. Cause I mean, we, we pitch voracious sometimes a chef traveling through time, <laughs> killing dinosaurs. People are like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> Some people don't that's like gross. that. So yeah, I mean, it has a, a really big hook, like a high concept hook, even though the book's not really about that. But that was what's cool about Voracious is that people would read it coming in, think it's going to be some like funny book, you know, and they find out that it's a lot more to it than that. You know, I think it's the same thing with By the Horns, but Jason's right. It doesn't have, you know, it's a fantasy revenge book, so it doesn't have as, although it has the unicorn revenge, which is a little bit quirky, <laughs> but you know, it doesn't have that same kind of a high concept that uh that voracious did a crazy out of control uh food concept book you guys also really do the 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 found family aspect really good voracious was kind of like already family but it was kind of like a family finding itself and fixing itself so i mean so it was kind of like a, a different twist on a found family but by the horns is, is very much like found family especially with the the two unicorns and, and elodie and and like that fucking hot tub scene oh my god like that's so <laughs> genius um that was and, jason and idea too actually. was it really a hot tub yeah yeah that's one of my favorite scenes you just wanted book. to draw a hot <laughs> I, I will tell this. So I, I think I had a dream that I drew the characters in a hot tub. Like I, I, I draw so much during the day that I actually dream about drawing at night. It happens pretty frequently. So I told Marcus, I was like, I had this weird dream that they were in a hot tub. And I'm like, how, how do you work that in the book? Right. And then, you know, in issue four, there was a scene and Mark's son said, you know, they're like around a campfire. They're a little drunk. They're, you know, telling some stories. And I was like, wait a minute. What about my hot tub? I do. <laughs> Just had to figure out a way for a hot tub to be in a fantasy world. And then I remember that, you know, uh, you know, like there's a lot of hot springs around. And I was like, oh, that could easily fit. They could be in a hot spring. And Marcus sounds like, yeah, do what you want, man. Uh, but I really appreciate you talking about the characters and 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 how we kind of uh, relate them to each other because uh, it's weird because uh, as we're writing, as I was writing by the horns, I really. I, I kind of realized that it's kind of the flip side of, uh, of voracious and that like both books are about loss, you know, uh, by the horns is really built around the way Elodie reacts to the loss of her husband. Uh, and voracious is, is Nate dealing with the loss of his sister. So they have similar themes, but the way they approach it is completely different. Like Nate, he wanted to do everything he could not to deal with that situation. And he didn't want to deal with the loss of his sister. And in By the Horns, Elodie wants to do everything she can to, like, make things right. And, um, you know, and, and those two characters, what they do affects the other people around them. And they're a little bit oblivious uh, to what they're doing and, and how it can affect their loved ones, the community, and, the you know, just people or creatures in the case of By the Horns, around them. Because when I write books, I write out character beats. Like, if I'm going to put this character in, they have to have an arc. They have to have a, a beginning. Uh, they have to have an end where they're going to go. And, and then what happens in the middle to get there? 
So I'll write those out first, usually before I do anything else, because that's like the most important part to me. Why else have the characters if they don't don't have those things? So, um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate you uh, mentioned that part of it because that to me that's always the heart of the of the book is the characters and how they relate. But it has to be grounded in a way that you can relate to, uh, that you can you can look at those characters and see some of yourself or, or somebody else you know and love in them. That is the most important part of writing to me. Yeah. And you are very good at that. They have so much heart and charm and you just like, they're so easily to easy to relate to. And then also, you know, they say like, you know, great characters have flaws, but like all these characters have like flaws. Like Nate was totally screwed up, like, you know, like, oh, yeah. and, um, and Elodie, Elodie's very broken. Like, that, that, uh, that hot tub scene was so great. Um, the two unicorns and Elodie, and it's like, they keep, there's like that push and pull, you know, like they, they get a little closer and then and it's so oh man the dialogue's heartbreaking but we're friends and she like slams the beard out we're not friends and it's like you know that's so you even in this like funny light-hearted hot tub moment you know like elodie still can't escape that trauma it's, it's so human uh evelyn is so not human but also so incredibly human in the way she acts and like kind of her she has this like odd in innocence but then also just like just slays people with an assault rifle you know and it's just like i don't know the, the way you guys build these characters and and both like you know physically seeing them on the page seeing like their expressions and the dialogue and stuff that you write like it's it's impossible not to connect with these characters and i think that's why that's a lot of the success of both of these series is just that you guys do emotion so well on top of you know like your your world building and just the the zaniness of both series because there, there's a lot of craziness in it too but you are really able to like harness this real humanness that the, that we need you know it's, especially now like when like we're finally coming out of quarantine but like we've all been alone you know for a year and and like a lot of us are like craving that like human interaction and 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 miss that kind of like intimacy whether it's you know platonic or familiar or or you know like a sexual relationship or whatever we miss that intimacy and yeah so like when you guys do that on the page Age, it's like we're eating it up we're like oh yes like i'm living vicariously <laughs> through this shit like woo like and it's just yeah it's I don't know. It's very impressive. Oh, thanks, Spike. Yeah. For, for me as a writer, I think this is going to be in all my books. Uh, even though if I try other genres, I, I feel like By the Horns is a different feel than uh, Voracious does, even though there's similar themes in it. Um, but it's just because I feel like in real life, you have all of those things. Mm -hmm. You know, it isn't just one thing or the other. And you could change your emotion uh, on a dime. You know, you could have that underlying current of of rage or or, or hate, even though you're you're like trying to to get along in that situation, and it can just boil over. I mean, I've seen it so many times. Listeners, like, it's not like you're you're not just gonna like read this and cry the whole time. It's it's very <laughs> it's, it's it's a it's a it's a blooming onion of comic. It's got delicious layers that you can experience uh it'll make you laugh it'll make you cry jason's art will just make you lose your goddamn mind because i've never seen anything like it before um i think uh four two is such a showcase for andre her colorist because the you know the uh two-thirds of the issue is a is a nighttime fight against a wizard that's wielding winds made of lava and like andre went to town and just like outdid himself with uh mm -hmm. you know with that eerie glow that's you know illuminating this forest 
And yeah, he just did such a good job with it. And I, yeah, I think like four is a, just a total showcase for him to like flex his muscles because like Andre does spectacular work. I, I think that's one of the things too that I I hope people are responding to with the book are, are the colors. Because I think we had talked with Andre before the book. Uh, you know, we kind of had this idea. We want to do something a little different. We want to make it look different from Voracious. And I had some ideas and Martin and Andre went back and he colored a couple pages and he said like, you know, what do you think about this? this is how I think I want to approach it. Like a little more painterly. And like, you know, it's funny. One of the things we always talk about, especially in these interviews when we're together is like, Mark sounds a metal dude. He likes his blacks, you know? And like, I'm the opposite. I like, I like color, like bright color. And so, uh, you know, like, I think our book is a combination of that. There's some, you know, blacks in terms of like just the visuals and, you know, the emotions of the book. And then there's like bright bursts of color. And, and that's like Andre's department. He's just like knocking out of the park, especially too. like the book will go into different um, areas of the continent, you know? So you're, you're in jungly areas, you're in deserty areas, or we're going to get to like an icy realm. And like every time Andre just brings it, you know, we just describe like, this is the feel it's got to feel like hot and sweaty, or it's got to feel like icy cold. And or sometimes it'll just be like weird abstract stuff. Cause it's like magic stuff. So it's hard to, you know, properly communicate because there's not you know uh, an analog in the real world you just kind of kind of tell andre like I, I think it should feel like this and like he always brings it he always oh, executes definitely. it so well he's a really really great colorist and 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 like i said like the pages they just appear to glow um it's really cool to, to see him like utilize the magic effects and the, the way he does like his digital coloring um but yeah he's you, you guys are the you guys have like a really good trio you're like the you're like the nerdy holy trinity like it's <laughs> we're really lucky to have found andre yeah yep yeah i don't think he could do more books because he's just got so many other things going on he really just does our book and he he does like some other projects he lives in romania so he does some other projects but he i think we're the only american book he's ever done our worldwide book too so um yeah he's a great guy you know we've we had a, a chat with him where we celebrated uh, the book. And, uh, so it's really fun to, to get in touch with them and talk. And we've never met him in person. So we had to do like a zoom meeting cause he, you know, he lives in Romania. How do you find like a secret ninja colors from Romania? It was a, it was a process. Cause when we started doing voracious, we tried out a bunch of colors, basically, you know, we, we found some portfolios online, but you know, we asked them if they could possibly do like a test page, you know, some colors, you know, if they have a, a sizable portfolio, they won't do that. And that's fine. You yeah. know, Jason but put out a call on like deviant art or maybe not deviant art. I don't know. Some, something digital webbing, or I don't remember what it was, but yeah. And like, you know, this doesn't happen all the time, but it happened a couple of times with us where uh, we'd see a colors portfolio online. It looked really good. And then like they do a page for us and it just wasn't matching, you know, the portfolio there. Um, and then like Mark son just started rescanning deviant art. And I think he just found Andre on so there. What happened? We, so we put out a call. Jason was on some sites where he like talked about his art and, uh, and they were like communities, like chats or something. So we got a lot of submissions, but they weren't very good. Um, and then we got a couple good ones and some of these colorists like colored for image and stuff. And they either weren't a right fit for us or cause we actually hired a, a guy to do it. He didn't deliver on time. <laughs> so I said, Jason, you just concentrate on drawing the book. I will find a colors. We've talked so much. I know what you like. I know what you, what you're looking for in your colors. I, I can, I'll find somebody. So I went and did the search. I was more proactive that second time around. I went on DeviantArt and I found Andre 
and uh, loved his colors, showed him to Jason. Jason's like, yeah, this guy looks like he'd be a good fit. So then we did actually our first ever published story. I guess technically it would be Cretaceous because we published that ourselves as a, a black and white ash can. We did 100 issues. But the first publisher that ever picked us up was this company called Lightning Strike in Ireland. And they did a, an anthology book. I believe it was called Lightning Strike Presents or something. And um, so we they had a book of horror tales. And so um, I had an idea. I was like, Jason, you want to draw this and submit it? And so he did it. But we didn't have a colorist for it. So I found Andre. I was like, let's have him do this because we can just submit it to Lightning Strikes. We'll have that book. We can get it in print. But also we'll figure out if Andre will be a good fit for your art and if we can work well with him. And he did a tremendous job on that story. It's actually, it's on my website. I don't know if Jason has on his, but you can just go to marcusson.com and read it for free. It's eight pages. Um, it's called Never Alone. So yeah, so we work with Andre on that and we love what he did. We really liked working with him. He's just the nicest guy. And so we asked him to work on Voracious with us and then the rest is history. And then we got the team. Yeah, I think one of the things too is like with uh, creators, you know, like you can be a great writer, you can be a great artist, a great colorist, but like they got to meld too, you know, because there's plenty of team, you know, there's plenty of books that come out where like the elements are there. Like this writer's great and this artist's great. Why isn't this book great? And it's like, oh, because they're not, they're just not melding right. So I, I think that's the key too is to make sure you're all in the same way. And, and, you know, and you could be a really great colorist and a really great artist, but it's just like they're just not a good fit for each other. Yeah. You know, no matter how much they want to work together, like they're all both trying their best it's like no they just don't meld together so i think that's like again that intangible like do the do the parties involved all meld together to form just like one voltron of a good book how did the the unicorn horn deal come up because like the idea of these unicorns um you know and they look like my little pony kind of like they're like (laughs) well especially uh, that we'll find out later when when we find out that they like they come from like the Candyland board game, the land of sunshine, like the happiest place on earth though. They kind of talk about it. And, <laughs> yeah. and so it's like, then they have these crazy weapons and the, the, just the idea of like that they can like you remove the horn and then combine it with another unicorn's horn. And the weapon like changes based on what's needed that, of all the cool shit in this comic. Like that's the part where like, I, that, it kind of stopped me. And I was just like, Whoa, like, I was not expecting that at all. Like it just like, and it looks so good on the page, like the different weapons and, <laughs> and how they, how they work and, and how great they are yeah. at murdering uh, people. You know, it's funny too. It's like, I think that's crazy too. I don't see people like talking about it that much. Like, Oh, these, the combining the horns and like fighting with them. I think that's like one of the coolest <laughs> things ever. I've never seen it. It was like the first thing I came up with actually for the book. It's like what started the book because, uh, I, I was watching the movie legend from like 1985. So, you know, Tom Cruise is in like a metal skirt. And it's just a terrible film. It's not a very good film, but it's one of my favorite. But the story doesn't make any sense. Like the way they travel these places, it seems like they're in a garage, basically. So I'm watching this and uh, like Tim Curry, he's like the most iconic villain ever, the like darkness, right? And basically he just wants to kill unicorns so he can live in total darkness. 
And apparently he wants to make goth makeovers for, for young ladies. That That's a thing in there. But he has this hatred for unicorns in it. And it doesn't even make any sense because he's living in this posh castle. He's got the goth makeover thing going on. What's the point? What if he actually had a purpose? What if the unicorns actually did something to him uh, that made him want to kill them? What, what, what if they were evil? What if they weren't all goodness and light? And so that's where it started from. And in that movie, they take off the horn. I love that imagery that you take off the unicorn horn. What, what could you do with it? That seems like it would be pretty powerful. Like it, the entire world is getting plunged into darkness. So they're pretty powerful horns. You know, what if you could use them to like make weapons and fight back against somebody who's trying to kill you? And that's when I thought it would be cool to have two of the different unicorns and then merge the horns and then make weapons out of them. So that was the first thing I thought of. Of course, the story grew from there. But uh, it's an interesting question because, yeah, it is it is the impetus. It is the is the first thought I had when I was like, I want to make this story where I have these unicorn horns that get merged and made into weapons to fight some evil character. A lot of these really great ideas you have are, are super awesome. And then seeing them executed on the page, like everything just looks so good on the, on the page. And, and yeah, just, and also just like how the, the unicorns look, you know, it's not just like, it's not this little horn coming out of the head. Like it's like, it's kind of like the molding that, yeah, that that's all Jason. He wanted to do something different. Huh? You could talk about that, Jay. Yeah. The unicorn horns, they're like, yeah, they're more substantial They're I think I did that. I talked about a little, in the back matter of the issues that like you know when Mark Sun described him as being broken off and turned into weapons I was like these things gotta really feel like solid so yeah I came up with the idea that the they're not just in their heads they're like you know rooted into their skull so you know like if they were to stab you with that horn it's not gonna snap off you know it's like really anchored in there like a, like an old oak tree like a thousand year old old tree like planted on their face that is that's what it looks like yeah it looks like old old tree roots that's one of the challenges of the book too sometimes is like you know like a new element will be introduced and i'll be like all right what's my spin on this you know kind of come up with something sometimes like you get frustrated you're like i think it just looks like a gun like <laughs> like i love designing that stuff but you know there comes a certain point where you're like ah this is just gonna look like a whatever jason hates technology so that he'll only say that for that, yeah. that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> But yeah, I think that's the cool thing when you're talking about the details and stuff and by the horns. A lot of that comes from uh, Jason because he just wants to make something look unique. But when he approaches something, a new design, he wants to think about it first. Like, how would this actually work in this world? I, I want this to, to feel important to the environment and the character. And I love that about him because he's, he's always like thinking about it, overthinking it, and then it comes out with something really cool <laughs> that I might not have thought of. Sometimes I have ideas, but a lot of the, that stuff, like for the designs, especially for wizards and stuff, because I want to do win wizards. I had this mythology. I sent them images of what they look like. But because our world's a mix of fantasy and technology, well, Jason had to take those and warp them the way that he felt they should look in this world. So they look like, you know, the ancient gods are pictured, but there's just elements in there just completely Jason and completely unique to the book. Thank you. <laughs> you definitely have a unique look to everything. I mean, even the covers and, and the, the logo changes a little bit. Every logo has two characters in it, like two creatures. And uh, for better or worse, I made a decision earlier on that I would change it every issue I'm happy when it's done you know like I, when I've had when, but like coming up with the idea especially like I always try to pick a prominent creature from that issue some issues just don't have a, you know there's creatures but there's nothing like prominent you'll notice like in issue five one of the creatures in the logo is one of the 
bones you see in the sand. There just weren't any new creatures in that. It were like a prominent new creature in that issue. So I had to envision what that creature looked like. Because we do the we do the map every other issue, and that's got like four or five creatures on it. So it's easier those issues for him to do it. Well, it's neat. I mean, it's a it's a good element in the book because it, it shows you where they're going. It gives you a sense of the terrain and the dangers that are out there. Well, it's very RPG inspired because we get we got that. Um, Jason, whenever we introduce the wizard, there's like the big text. So we have that. And then when they go to a different town, usually they'll be like, let's see what kind of weapons we got here. Let's see what, what provisions we can get. And that's very much like an RPG, you know, so uh, definitely inspired by stuff like Final Fantasy. I love Final Fantasy. Like that's 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 my jam. I I definitely get those like RPG Final Fantasy vibes and and part of what was great about every iteration of Final Fantasy is is the characters. You know, spending hours and hours and hours with these characters and getting little bits of info about them and you know traveling these crazy worlds. I mean, it's my favorite game, so I'm sure I'm influenced by that. Uh, but that's the best part of it was the characters and it. it was fun to play the game and the seeing the world. But it was the characters that really drew you into story for final fantasy 7 anyways not, not every single final fantasy game is created equally everybody duh read this book like have to if you don't read it you're silly and i'm just gonna shame you guys where uh jason where can we find you on the internet uh you can find me i'm jason Muir everywhere jason Muir.com, jason Muir on instagram jason Muir on uh twitter and you can he also has a shops that actually both these guys have variants that are sold out at a lot of stores and jason will remark them at a very competitive price that looks very beautiful you should all go do that i'll just everybody go give jason all your money right now do that uh marcus and where can we where can we find you uh your your podcast your label your address like i'm gonna fly to hawaii can i crash on your couch like where can we find you at bud yeah i'm in hawaii uh but uh yeah you can find me my website's marcuson.com you can also the podcast is metalheadspodcast.com my record label is skullfracturerecords.com where we have a soundtrack for by the horns on vinyl we sold out of the orange one but we still have purple and blue left so really great soundtrack i'm on darth i'm darth son on twitter i'm darth marcus on on instagram if you want to stay in the know about by the horns you can follow us on uh, social media there and uh, we're by the horns comic on all the platforms so it's facebook twitter and instagram very cool everybody should go follow them get these comics it's this is a great time to get caught up guys because it's going to keep going it's going to keep blowing our minds and we're only uh after next week four issues that's easy to get caught up you can get them on their website you can get them at scout you can order them from your local comic book shop as always you can find me at blake's buzz on twitter and instagram you can look up our youtube channel at blake's buzz you can go to blakesbuzz.com for indie reviews and please download this podcast so you can listen to all of us awesome people People talk about awesome nerdy shit because that's what we're here for we want to put good comics in the hands of fans guys thank you so much this was awesome i love your comic you're both great people and you i thank you for spending a couple hours with me we appreciate your enthusiasm you make us love the book more <laughs> your love of the book makes us love the book even more <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna print that out and hang that on the refrigerator <laughs> <laughs>